a complicated thing to, to ask and answer sometimes because uh, we don't really know what that means. We hear the word mission, and uh, some of us, we immediately go to the game we were playing on the PlayStation last night and how many missions we accomplished. You know, we, we, how many bad guys did you kill? Did you, did you do a good job? Um, and whatever, yeah, so we're getting nods in the back there. Yeah, right? I mean, I, I'm doing a little Assassin's Creed right now, and, and I'm, I'm rocking it. Um, I'm not, not afraid to admit that. <clears throat> when you're in church, you use the word mission, and people automatically start going into other directions. Like, like if you're thinking of mission in church, people often think, well, you know, we support missionaries, or, or you know, we go, we go across the sea, and we send money across the sea, because people in other continents really need to hear about Jesus, and so that's the word, what we think about when we think mission, that word mission, what's your mission? Um, and so that, that kind of colors things. Is, is that what we're talking about? Is that what I want to talk about? Eh. Other folks, they, they, they get a little more enlightened. They're like, you know, across the ocean, that's cool. Uh, we can support missionaries. But, you know, there are folks right here in our backyard. They need to hear about Jesus. And so they think of themselves as missionaries. They think locally. And then they don't really quite know what to do with that. And then it ends up looking kind of weird. I got a, I got a short little video I want to show you. Uh, it's just a little skit. And it's a goofy representation of, of how we mess, like how we think of mission sometimes a little bit off kilter. So you got that? Hola. Hola, amigo. Hola, mi amigo. Hola, amigo. Hola, mi amigo. Por favor, uno momento. Ah. Hola, vecino. Uh, te gustera venir uh, conmigo a la iglesias el domingo. Mi iglesias es muy dorito. Dur dorito? Uh, oh, <laughs> dervitido. Uh, y se puede transformar tu vida de pecano. Oh, picado, picado. <laughs> not, not picano, but, but, uh, picano says muy delicioso. See? 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 See, I, See? I don't even know, See? I don't even know what you're saying. You speak English? Yes. You're not a Spaniard. Well, I'm a quarter Hispanic, but I don't, I don't speak the language. Seriously? Yeah, I never... Seriously? I never learned the language. Seriously? What were you saying? Never mind. <clears throat> so, all right, so. <clears throat> what do we mean by mission? What does God mean by mission? I mean, is it that? Hijacking a neighbor that you don't even know whether or not they speak English? Uh, is, it, is it, what is it? Because um, you have one. I, I don't know if you knew this, but you have a mission. Like, you have a reason. Like, I can say that confidently because the, the, the simplicity of the definition here is, is straightforward. Mission is the reality that God made you on purpose. You're not an accident, right? Well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe some of you are accidents. But mom and dad love you. You know? Jamaican surprise, all that kind of stuff. 
<clears throat> oh. But you're not a surprise to God. You never were. He knew you long before your parents ever existed. He knew your name. He knew what you were going to look like. He knew the number of hairs on your head. And when you came into being, you came into being because God knew that you had a purpose. You had a mission. You have a reason to be alive today. And what is it? Why did God create you? What's your mission? Why do you exist on this planet? Why do you exist? Why are you living in Holland, Michigan right now? Uh, why? Why here now in this moment? It matters. It matters to God. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. That's your mission, why God created you. And, and for a lot of people, it, it's different. It can change depending on where, where you're from and how you're gifted. It can, it can change on, on how you were raised up, uh, the gifts, the, the things that God has put in you that you're really good at. Aaliyah is spectacular with music. I don't know how to make a chord happen on any kind of instrument you don't want to hear me sing. But she's gifted. This is a part of how God has made her, the thing he's drawing out in her. Um, me, he gave me a big mouth and a lot of words to say. So what should I do? I should be in front and I should preach. Um, he also knows that I like to sleep in and if I wasn't a preacher, I probably wouldn't go to church very often. I'm too lazy. So one of the beautiful things that God did is he called me into ministry to make sure I went to church. He knows me well. He gave me a mission. We all have our own kind of missions, but uh, as the believers in Jesus Christ, as a body of Jesus Christ, we all share in a mission too. There's a reason why we exist. There's a reason why God has called us. There's a reason we're here today. Now, I want to take some time today. I want to tell you two stories that uh, help us understand mission from a God perspective. Two stories. Um, the first one is from this book called Gaining by Losing, uh, and he's opening up, talking about the power of planting, the importance of planting. And uh, he tells a story about uh, the 1920s. Uh, back in the 20s, uh, the economy and, and particularly uh, farming and that kind of stuff, it was like going gangbusters. It was a fertile time to be alive. The rains were plentiful. The, the fields were abundant. Uh, things were just amazing, right? Uh, crops going, like, it was one of those few times where things were so good in rural America that people were leaving the cities to move out and be farmers. Um, that's how plentiful it was. And people were making money like crazy. And then, then in 1931, drought just canvassed the heartland. In fact, this is the beginning of what we know as the Dust Bowl. Have you ever seen pictures like this? Like, this is from the 30s. This was Oklahoma and Kansas. This is the place where, you know, the breadbasket of America, where dust storms would rise up and wreak havoc across the land, killing people. They would be trying to walk from their barn to their house, and they would get lost in a dust storm and die. And it was, it just, it wiped out all of the rural part of America. It was dry, it was a drought, there was no rains, and, and people had nothing until it was getting, it was getting almost a decade later. It started in 1931, it gets to about 1939. And people have, have just been, they've become destitute, they have nothing. 
They've got the seeds in their hand to plant one more time. Do you go for it? If you've got enough seeds in your hand that you can, you can grind it up and you can make some bread for your family to eat, but then you have no more seeds. Or do you take that seed and you plant it in dry ground and you pray to God for rain? And there were a lot of folks that were hungry, starving, and they ground up that seed and they made bread. And then they took their chances going back to the city and hoping that maybe, maybe they could find a job, hoping they didn't starve to death on the way because they had used up all their seed for one more loaf of bread. But there were some in 1939 who took the seed that they had, all they had left, this, 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 and they planted it because they didn't have anywhere to go. And they hoped, they hoped that God would come through, that he would send the rains. And then in 1939, after they had planted the seed, it started raining. And the earth was watered and the dust bowl was over and crops flourished and, and they learned some things. They learned some things about terracing and, and grasslands and conservation and how to make sure that the winds rising up across the plains don't wreak that kind of havoc anymore. But they also learned that sometimes, sometimes when everything is bleak and you don't know what's going to happen, sometimes... You just got to plant the seed you've been given and pray for the rain. Our second story is how Jesus, in some ways, did that exact same thing. He planted a seed in some really dry ground. And then he was the living water. And something amazing happened. So the word of God that we're talking about today is in John chapter 4, and it starts at verse 1. Let's hear how Jesus did this. So now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. And so he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. So he's hanging out in the populated areas, he's hanging out in, in Jerusalem, Judea. This is where all of the important religious people lived. And he was talking about the good news. He was talking about the kingdom of God. He was offering them some really cool, amazing freedom from, from all that the Pharisees and the law and all this pressure that was weighing down on people. He's like, come follow me, be free. Let me show you how to have life. And, uh, and people weren't liking that. They were upset at him for that, and so they kind of chased him out. Uh, they pushed back on him, and he's like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to head back to Galilee. I'm going to head back to the countryside. Uh, that's where some of his other ministry was happening. So he's dealing with some conflict in this moment. He's getting bad press, and it's getting hot, and so it's time to move. He leaves a popular area to go to quieter countryside. Verse 4, now he... He had to go through Samaria, uh, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Now, let's be, let's be clear here. Just a little geography lesson. 
in the south is where he's getting chased away from. That's where Jerusalem is. And way up in the north is Galilee, which is where he's going, where the Sea of Galilee is. And in the middle of that is a region called Samaria. Now, when it says he had to go through Samaria, that's not exactly true. Uh, Samaria was kind of a no man's land. It was kind of a no one respectable goes there ever. So when the Jews would ever have to go up to Galilee from, from the southern area, they would go around. So you didn't have to go through Samaria, but he had a mission. God had sent him into the world to do something amazing, to change the world. And that meant that everybody was eligible for some change. There's no ground where Jesus wasn't going to make a difference. So he had to go. This was his mission. He went through Samaria. He went through the no man's land. He went through the, un, the place without respectable people. Jews avoided it all the time. Jesus was not going to avoid it. Verse 6, Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. Note that. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? Uh, you see, his disciples had gone into town to buy some food. Now, why is this a special moment? So it's noon. There's a lady going to the well for some water. Jesus is hanging out there. His disciples aren't around, so they're not going to get in the way. Now, Samaritan women, again, he's a Jewish man. First of all, he really shouldn't be talking to a woman. Second of all, as a Jewish man, he shouldn't be talking to a Samaritan woman, double down on the no, 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 that should never happen. And it's noon. Women didn't go get water at noon. They went in the morning when you needed all your water and they could go at night, you know, when you're, you're, you're closing things up. You didn't go in the heat of the day. You're busy working at home. You're getting stuff done. The reason she's at the well at noon is because she is not a well-respected woman. She's got a bad reputation. Everybody knows her story from town. And if she goes to the well when all the other women are there, guess what? They're going to be like... And she doesn't, she doesn't want to deal with that. Who wants to deal with that? So she goes at noon, and she finds a Jewish man sitting there, and I have to imagine, like, she's just, she's just like, stealing herself for him to just come crashing down and condemning her and making fun of her. I mean, the Samaritans were, were beat up by Jews all the time. Now, it's nice for Jesus in this moment that his disciples aren't around because sometimes they don't quite get what he's trying to do. And if he, they would have been there, then he would have had to have, like, calmed them down and corrected them. Now, this is, opens the door for him to just hang out with this lady and treat her like a human being and to be kind. And he says, will you give me a drink? And the Samaritan woman says to him, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Because Jews don't associate with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And in this moment, because he's Jesus and he's on mission, even though he's tired and even though it's been a long walk and even though 
He's been beat up and, and, and people are mad at him from Judea and, and they've kind of chased him out and, 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 and life is not ideal in this moment. He stops and he, he remembers why he's there and he treats her like a human being and he offers her truth. He offers her this gift of life. He offers her what she's been missing for so long. He wants her to know that he is water in the midst of drought. That in the midst of her life being barren and empty, a dust bowl is her life. He's like, not only do I want to give you this beautiful seed of truth, and I'm going to water it for you so that you can live. This is Jesus' mission, to bring the seed of life to life. Because he's the living water. He makes planted seeds come alive. Now, when he was here, he was planting those seeds. When he was here, he was working with his disciples to help them understand what it takes for people to bring the gospel out into the world because that's the seed we're talking about. That's the seed that Jesus is talking about, the good news of who he is, the good news of what God is doing through his son, that he came to fix all of our brokenness, that he came to redeem those who, who need redemption, which honestly, seriously, is all of us, all of us. And then he had to leave. He had to go to heaven and he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. But those seeds still need to be scattered. Those seeds still need to be planted. Even in dry, dry, barren soil. And so God says to his church, this is your mission. I've given you this seed. It's the gospel. And I want you, I want you to plant it. I want you to plant it in places that don't make sense. I want you to plant it in the lives of the people around you. I want you, to, I want you to plant it wherever you go and whoever you come in contact with. I want you to plant it through the words that you say, through the affirmation you give people, through the encouragement that you bring to those around you. I want you to plant this seed in other people's lives by being kind and by loving people unconditionally. This is some of what we were hearing about last week, right? To love like God loves This plants a seed. This is why we exist. This is why God made us. And it has been the most important mission, the most important thing in all of the whole world since the moment that Jesus ascended into heaven and he sent his Holy Spirit into the land and the church was created in this world. This is the most important thing that we can do. We were just singing about his name a little bit ago. Jesus, Jesus, the only thing that matters. This is why we're here. It should be our beating heart. And we've seen examples of people who have done this, who have planted these seeds, who have, who have done this hard work. They've been dying to do this work, literally. Because they figured out how amazing it is to follow Jesus, no matter how risky it might be, and they do it. You know who the first person, what, the name of the first person who died sharing the gospel? You know that guy's name? I heard over here. Stephen. Oh, that's a good one. Jesus. First guy who died to share the gospel, Jesus. 
I think, I think you get an A-plus for that. Very good. The first non-Jesus person. It's a guy named Stephen. Stephen was a disciple of Jesus. Uh, uh, he kind of came up. He wasn't one of the 12. Uh, he kind of came up in that group afterward. And Jesus left, and he heard this amazing news. And so he's out there. He's telling people about Jesus. He's just he's sharing the gospel. He's sharing the message. He's got this seed that God's put in him, and he's got he's to plant it everywhere, everywhere. And he starts making some enemies. There, there are some there are leaders, uh, uh, heavy hitters in the faith, um, the rules guys who did not like what Stephen was doing. They didn't like the message he was sharing. They didn't, they didn't want to hear about this Jesus guy. And so they put handcuffs on him and they drag him into court about it. And they tell him, stop, stop talking about this. Don't say these words anymore or we're going to kill you. And all he could do was keep saying the words. It, it, was, it was so much inside of him, he couldn't stop it. And he goes into this, I mean, if you ever read this chapter in the book of Acts about Stephen, he goes into this long, like, huge treatise about the whole story of God through history and how God's people have been persecuting the prophets that God has been sending over and over and over again. And here you go, you persecuted Jesus too, and you killed him too. And he says all these things. And they're like, oh man, we're fed up with this. We're going we're gonna to stone this guy to death. And as, as they're getting ready to stone him, he talks about being able to see the face of Jesus. And they literally just don't want to hear it so much. The Bible tells us they're the, they, just, they, they plug their ears and they go, la, 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 we can't hear you. They literally covered their ears and tried not to hear him. And still the good news, the seed was planted even though it cost Stephen his life. Now, for us, in our world, that's a scary prospect. I mean, are we willing to do this thing even if it costs us everything? Are we willing to do this, this believe in Jesus and follow him in his footsteps? Uh, even, even, even if it doesn't seem like it has any effect, are we willing to put ourselves out there um, even if we die? Is that actually worth it? I mean, what actually happens? Was, was, was Stephen's ministry, like, did it really make a difference? I mean, yeah, we call him Stephen's ministers now. We got ministries like that. He's in the Bible, so we get to talk about his story. But in that moment, did he make a difference at all? Did he plant any seeds that got watered and turned into life? What if you take a chance and you plant the seed and the rain doesn't come? You ever worry about that? Well, guess who was there that day when Stephen was murdered? The coat check guy at the stoning. Like it was an event and there was a coat check guy. Like you could bring it like, oh, hey, excuse me, can you hold my coat for me? Yes, no problem, here's your ticket. The guy named Saul, coat jet guy at Stephen Stoning, stood there guarding the coats and listened to the gospel. And it made him mad. Man, more of these Christians gotta die. He was sure of it. So he made it his life's mission to go out and kill more Christians and to send them to jail. And that's what he did. He was famous for it. And I got to tell you, I bet every time 
that he grabbed another Christian and put him in jail every time he killed another Christian because they believed in Jesus, I'll bet he heard the gospel again. And the seed was planted again. And it could seem like it was lost, but then one day Saul is heading out. He's on mission. He's probably going to go persecute somebody else. And as he's walking along the road, Jesus steps in and becomes the living water for that seed. And everything changed. And I don't just mean everything changed for Saul. It did. His name changed. His mission changed. He was blind and then he was able to see. His whole purpose in life changed. The entire world changed. Because Saul became Paul. We're talking about the Apostle Paul. We're talking about the guy who was the first big monster missionary, probably one uh, as a great, 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 great grandfather of people of faith, has more believers in his, in, uh, on, on, uh, notches on his belt than anybody else in all of history, right? Planted the first churches all throughout Asia Minor, is the writer of much of our New Testament. That's Paul. That's the one we're talking about. All of that because Stephen tossed out some seed into a dust bowl of a heart. And he never got to see Jesus water that seed. But that wasn't his mission. His mission was to plant. His mission was to sow. His mission was to, to, to toss it out there and wait for the Lord to move because Jesus is faithful. Jesus doesn't let it just go out there and not do anything, no matter what it costs, no matter how dangerous it might seem, no matter, no matter how fruitless it might seem to us, it's not fruitless to the God who sees all of history and who is working underneath and behind and around and in ways we can't even, acknowledge. we don't even know all the things he's doing and the way he's working. And we think we have to know. We think we got to be in control. We think we got we to be the ones that make it happen, but we don't. We're just the seed throwers. There's a parable Jesus tells in Luke 8. about the, It's the parable of the sower. It's all about throwing seeds, right? And when you read the parable, you're like, oh yeah, okay, so there's seeds thrown over here, seeds thrown over there. Some of it lands on rocky ground. Some of it lands on stony ground. Some of it lands on a path and it gets trampled. And only some of it lands in fertile ground. Man, if that sower were a smarter sower, you know, like we are, he would only throw it on the fertile ground. That's not the parable. The parable is the faithful person takes the seed that they're given and throws it everywhere. And it's, the work of God to build it up, to know the soil that it's landing on, and it's the living water of Jesus Christ that makes it grow. If it's going to grow, it's because of him, not because of the one who throws the seed. And for Paul, Paul, it changed his life, and, and he, he threw seed, and the churches were born, and, and, and things happened, and it was amazing. And the whole world has changed. Billions know who Jesus is because of Paul. And here we are. We're talking about mission. What's our mission? Gospel Community Church. 
Are we seed throwers? That's our mission. It's why we exist. It's why God called us here. It's why we're alive in our normal day-to-day lives, called to take the risk and share how Jesus has changed us, that gospel thing that he's planted inside of us, to do what the woman at the well did. You know what she did? When, when Jesus grabbed hold of her and even though she had a bad rep, even though the people in town knew her name and they knew, they, they, they knew her reputation, she went back with the news of who Jesus was. Just the beginning of a little bit of seed that he gave her and he, she went home and threw it around everywhere around her. Listen to the, the, later on what happens in John 4. Uh, then leaving her water jar, the woman back, went back to town and said to the people, the people who were judgmental all over her, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And so they came out of the town and they made their way toward him. And many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did, she said. And they believed. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. And they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know this man really is the savior of the world. She took what she was given and she took a risk and she planted the seeds. And Jesus came through again. And a whole Samaritan village becomes fertile ground because she took a chance on what could have been seen as a dust bowl opportunity. Friends, you've got the seeds of the good news. You have them. You have them. That's what church is. It's the place for collecting up seeds to plant. Yeah, I know church is also a hospital for healing people when they've been wounded, but it's also the sending point to gather up resources for our mission to sow. So that's a good word, right? I'm a, I'm a country farm boy from Iowa. So. You have a mission in this life. It's a reason to be here. It's the mission that belongs to all of us all the time. It's the mission that comes directly from God to you. And it's a mission that's not located in this building. It belongs to us when we're at home or when we go to work, when we're hanging out with friends, when we're eating dinner with our families. That is our mission. It's why our heartbeats are beating in our chests. It's the heartbeat of our lives, wherever we are, whatever we do. It's what's supposed to be true of us, no matter where we live, no matter where we worship, no matter where we work, no matter how old we are, no matter how young we are, this is how God made us. It's what's been driving, and I gotta, I gotta just bless these folks. It, was, it has been what has been driving uh, Becky and Kyle and Will and Drew as they have been serving you. They have been casting seeds all over you and waiting for Jesus to water them. It's the reason for all the pizzas and the coats and the backpacks and the breakfasts and the micro pantries and all of the sermons and the worship over three plus years of Gospel Community Church. It's the heartbeat of gospel, the mission here to plant seeds. But it's not just supposed to be here. It's the truth of every person who claims to be a follower of Jesus wherever they are. It's why you exist. It's why God made you. And it's the mission I want to remind you of. And I'm reminding you of it because this is the crappy part. 
Um, I know some of you know this. Many of you know this. But after three plus years of ministry here at Gospel, um, the decision has been made that, that we feel like, that we believe it's time that we're going to stop having worship services here. Um, and that stinks. And if this is brand new to you and you didn't know, um, I know some of you know, the staff knows and the leadership knows. They've had to know. I mean, one of the burdens of leadership is to know information ahead of time so that you can deal with the emotions of it so that you can walk with people through it. Um, And as much of a joy as it has been to serve, um, circumstances are that we can't continue. Um, It took a lot of talking. It took a lot of prayer. There was a lot of arguing. Um, There was some anger. Uh, There were tears. And I know when we're faced with bad news, when we're faced with a struggle, and I, I'm, I'm putting this out there, and I'm going to just say these things, and I know if your heart is breaking, I know if this is, is hard for you, uh, you might not hear what I'm going to say, but I need to say this anyway. Maybe, maybe you'll think of it in a week or two weeks. You might be angry, And when we get angry, we want to blame. And we want somebody to be held accountable. Um, And we know these changes are going to affect things. I mean, where are we going to get breakfast, right? Where are we going to get to hang out with our friends and if we don't get to hear Drew lead worship anymore and come together in Bible study with Kyle or Becky and and there might be a time when when you want to just be angry at somebody that's okay But just know that sometimes you pour your heart out and sometimes you want the best and sometimes you've got this beautiful thing and its lifespan is limited. Well, that doesn't mean it goes to waste. And it's not just because Pastor Nate left. I mean, things were looking funky and and even if he was still here, this would probably have to be the course of action. So don't blame Nate. It's not just Nate. And it's not just, can I just say this? COVID sucks. All right? It sucks. And it, it had an impact on this ministry. I mean, things, when we were at the Performing Arts Center, things were going. And then March 2020. 
And usually when you plant a church, you plant it once and you get established. And after several years, you kind of got your feet on the ground. And, and, and then you're, you're, you're not just a church plant. You're like a, a, a church doing things, like your church. And I counted it. I counted it out. Gospel Community Church had to replant itself five times in three years. A lot of it because of COVID. But it's not just COVID. And it's not just because, you know, I mean, money's really tight. And it's not fair to your staff to keep them hanging on but not pay them. That's not good to them either. There's a lot of reasons. And none of them are great, but all of them ultimately make sense. And now we've got to figure out what, what, what is God doing? What's God been doing? And the answer is simple. He's been planting seeds in you so that you can plant seeds wherever you're going next. I don't know where that is. I don't know. I don't know what's next for you. I'm happy to talk about it with you if you want. I know Kyle and, and Becky and Drew and Will and I have been talking about it this week. We've been talking about it for, for a couple of weeks now. How do we walk with you through this? What kind of advice, what kind of direction can we give? And, and they're really smart folks. And they're happy to talk to you about that too. Next Sunday will be our last worship service. Next Sunday night is the Super Bowl and we're going to be here watching the Super Bowl. We're going to get to do that thing where we're a bunch of folks in a room watching the Super Bowl, and then when the play happens, we go, Aah! oh, he got screwed. Like, oh, can I say that? I just said it. Who cares? We get to do that, like, group Super Bowl thing. Like, I don't really like Major League Baseball, but the game, the one time I went to Comerica and saw, baseball's fun when you're surrounded by a bunch of folks having a good time. Maybe, maybe they're a little bit too happy, <laughs> but it's fun. So come for the Super Bowl next Sunday night. We'll have a special service. The service uh, next Sunday is going to be led by the staff here. Uh, we're going to have lots of music. We're going to have a lot of prayer, and each one of them is going to be sharing from their heart out of John, uh, John 17. I'm working on that, by the way, so you guys know kind of where to go, and you, you already know what you're going to say. Um, so you don't have to listen to me again. Um, they get to bless you in that. Um, but just remember this, please. That a, that a closing church doesn't mean that everything was wasted. It doesn't mean we failed. You're here. God's done amazing things. We wouldn't know each other like this if it weren't for gospel. And getting to know you is worth it. Worth all of it. And you have the seeds. You've got this gospel. It's going to live in you. And wherever you go, you get to take that with you. And it'll be a blessing. And Jesus will water it. He's the living water. And maybe you'll change billions of lives. 
I'm here as long as you want me this afternoon. If you want to talk about this or process. So. I probably talked too long now. I'm going to pray and then we'll worship. Heavenly Father, um, Jesus. We give you praise. And we give you thanks for the amazing things you do. For the encouragement that you give, for the strength that you are. For your name, which changes everything. For the seeds that you've planted and watered in us. For the life eternal that lives in us. That we get to share. We thank you for the life of and the ministry of Gospel Community Church. And we thank you for all of the folks, all of the family, the the friends that we've made, the lives that we've been able to interact with, the people that we otherwise wouldn't have known. We ask for you to be a blessing to them, to encourage us in whatever the future holds, and help us remember that when it comes to the truth, when it comes to who you are, that nothing is wasted. And as long as you're there, nothing has failed. And that our lives get to be this mission, this reflection of your glory. And you get to, get, you get to receive the praise. And that gives us joy. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.